Let us all stand in respect and awe of God's Word as we read the Scripture that we're going to be covering today. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and he became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the Scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Let us pray. Almighty Father, there is no other God but you. You are the one and the only. You are our God, and we bow before you, Father, Acknowledging who you are, your all-present power, your knowledge. We love you, Father. We love you with everything that we have, everything in our being. And Lord, may, you, may we be blessed as we endeavor to love other people the way that you love us and the way that we love ourselves. Lord, we pray that we would embrace who you are. And we would embrace who Jesus is and how he reflects you in every way. And may you bless us today as we honor you, as we look at you and we are moved by your word and the power that it contains. May we take what is in your word and let it blaze within us to bless other people in this life. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So today, we're going to talk, obviously, about this specific story, and I want to handle this a little differently. As you're sitting there and you're listening to me today, don't think like this is school, okay? Don't think like this is some lecture, some YouTube video that you pull up and some very uh, charismatic preacher who can move you and teaches you, get you all excited and hyped up. Let's not approach it that way. Okay. Today what I want us to do as we approach this lesson is to look at it practically. 
to look at it from the standpoint of, I don't give you power, I have no way in and of myself to give you anything, but if God is working in me and his Holy Spirit is at work, all power is available to us, okay? That's why I started reading the scriptures as I did, because all power that we have comes from that. So as we're looking at the lesson today, what I want us to look intently on is this story of Jesus Christ. And I want to reflect his glory and his majesty. And I want us to draw from that as our strength today. So what we're going to do, we're going to start off and we're going to look at this story. We're going to look at what we just read. Then we're going to take that and we're going to look at just a couple of content, uh, concepts, such as what is really testing and temptation. What is that? And then I want to spend the final part of the lesson this morning, unless the Spirit kind of leads me elsewhere. Hopefully it doesn't. We don't have time for that. But we're going to wrap up the final part of it, talking about what that really means, what the practical application of that means. Okay? Fair enough? So what we noticed in the reading, there's some really, there's some really impacting parts to that for me. When I came across this and when I felt led that I wanted to talk about this, I wasn't reading the book of Matthew. I was reading in Deuteronomy. I was reading in the Old Testament. And there, I was reading what Jesus actually answered the devil. And it caused me to look at Matthew 4. Isn't that great how God's Word does that? And just as I present things to you today, you may think in your mind, man, I wish Todd would have pulled that string, that thread a little further. Well, guess what, folks? God's Word is a lot like, if you're Doctor Who fans, the TARDIS. And you know what the TARDIS is. It's this police box that Doctor Who as a science fiction character time traveler, opens, and he goes in, it's this huge universe of things. That's what God's Word is. This book that we think is large on the surface really isn't, you know, when, it can, when you look at it and you understand that it's a cosmos, it's an, a universe of information that none of us can ever fully learn. That's what's the awesome part of God's Word. So I may pull on threads today as I talk about this, but primarily I want to focus on the story of Jesus Christ. Why? Why would I focus on Jesus? Because if he's talking about testing and temptation, Jesus is the ideal, right? If I want to learn how to do something the right way and the best way, I need to look at him. Always look at him. Because I can mislead myself. If I look at other people, I can mislead myself in that way. So that's kind of where it leads us. So this story is interesting. The thing that first struck me about it is Jesus is God. Jason presented a great scripture this morning. He did a great job at the table in reflecting that we're all not mistakes. But he also alluded to the fact, if you want to see God, you look at Jesus Christ. Right? Do we have that admiration of God? Do we have that admiration of Jesus? When we think of Jesus, do we understand that Jesus was with God from the very beginning, and through him all things were made? Everything. Okay? So I look at it kind of like these do-it-yourself channel shows, right? Where they have the designer and the builder that goes with there. And again, I'm a simple person. I'm a simple person. When I look at it, I think of God and Jesus in the beginning saying, you know, this planet would be beautiful if we did this. Jesus was with God there when everything was designed. The stars were placed where they are in the heavens. Where the oceans were placed with their boundaries. Where you and I were created with ten fingers, ten toes, to walk on this planet, to view 
the beautiful trees and the mountains and the distance. Jesus was there for every bit of that and was involved in the design. That's Jesus. Jesus was there when God spoke and everything came into existence. Jesus is God. He's all-powerful. Now, what strikes me about this story, and even if you were to go to the previous chapter, because I need to lead in and give you a context. The previous chapter towards the end of Matthew, the third chapter, talks about Jesus going to be baptized. I've always had a problem with that, honestly. Because why would God need to be baptized, right? Why would the ultimate being... And it's funny because Jesus told John, because John was like, man, what am I doing baptizing you, Jesus? (laughs) He says, I'm not worthy. That's beyond me, right? What did Jesus say? He said, let this be done for all righteousness. Let this be done. There's some translations that says, it's the right thing to do. Let all things that are required be done. And again, this is going to be one of those threads that we could pull and spend all morning on, and I'm not going to do it. Let's just say it like this. Jesus recognized that it was necessary for him as an example to humans to be baptized, so he was. Now you can look at all the Old Testament pictures of Jesus, and you can see how the children of Israel were led out of captivity and they went through the sea. Remember, it was pushed back and they walked through, and that was said to be a form of baptism. And Jesus kind of followed that same journey. You can look at pictures like that, but again... Jesus recognized the necessity to fulfill all righteousness. And he was baptized as God was baptized. But first and foremost, the thing that we need to understand about Jesus, he understood what it meant to worship God and to surrender himself to God. And by so doing, when we today, we're offering ourselves and we're submitting ourselves to God, it means that we are going to fulfill all righteousness. We're going to do that. We're going to do everything that we read in the Bible with eager and honest hearts, with a desire you can't contain. Sometimes we're asked the question, well, does a person need to be baptized to be saved? That's the wrong question. Do you need to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness as Jesus said? It says it in the Bible. It's right there. We ask these silly questions. Well, do, can I get by with this minimum of things here? Can, you know, can I squeak in if I just get this minimum requirement? Folks, if we're worshipers of God, we should endeavor to do everything the, th- the book says and to fulfill all righteousness. That's how you answer it. Because truly, if we love God above all things in this life and we're worshipers of him, like Jesus, we're going to do our best to fulfill all righteousness. Well, that's what leads to this story. Jesus is baptized. The next thing you read about, and you can look at the parallel scriptures. If you go over to Luke, the fourth chapter, there's a parallel there to this one. If you go to John, I think it's the first chapter, it doesn't really talk in depth about the baptism of Jesus. It just talks about the reasoning behind some of those things and the imagery that goes with it. But here you have Jesus that said, okay, I'm fulfilling all righteousness. I'm starting my ministry. I'm walking now. I'm pursuing God. What's the first thing you read about? Matthew 4. He's tested. Tested, right? In fact, if I were to back this up, the thing that drives home the point for me is the very first verse. Now notice this intently. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. 
Let's think about this for a second. He's God. He has the Holy Spirit in him like nobody else. But he's led by the Spirit. For what? It says there, he's led into the wilderness to be tempted. That's the purpose of him being led by the Spirit. The Spirit is leading him into a situation in which he will be tempted. Hebrews 4 verse 15 tells us that Jesus is the best high priest we could ever hope for because he was tempted in all ways and was without sin. Here's an example of it. Today, are you tested in this life? Today, are you tempted in this life? I am every day. And what better way to address those testings and those temptations than to look at what Jesus did and apply that to my life? To allow the power that is Jesus Christ to come in and to help me through those times, right? But if we are, as disciples of Christ, led by his Spirit, which I hope we all believe that today, and if you're not being led by his Spirit, we need to look at our relationship with Jesus. Because if we are, we like Jesus, when we commit and we are endeavoring and our mission is to serve him, we're going to be led into some testing. It's going to happen, right? Very, very interesting. Here you have God... That's the first interesting part. The other interesting part that I'd like to highlight is this. The devil thinks that he can tempt God. Think about that one for a second. The devil believes that he can take Christ, the Christ, and tempt him to fall. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? The audacity of that being, that pride and that arrogance to think, oh, you know what? I'm going to make God himself fall. I'm going to tempt him and make him do like Adam and Eve did, right? In the garden, it's the same thing. In fact, you can say Jesus is kind of reversing what Adam and Eve did through this temptation in a way of looking at it. So he's, he's sitting there, and here you've got the devil. He gives him three. Here's a biblical number, three, right? We've got three temptations, it says there that Jesus was out there for 40 days and 40 nights. It mentions these three. Don't know if there were more temptations or, or testings than that. I think the overall test, by the way, and we're going to get into the definition of testing and temptation in a minute. I think it's one test, many temptations that go with it. Okay? So in this case, there's three recorded temptations. What were they? First, the devil goes to Jesus and he says, hey, I bet you're hungry. Captain Obvious, Right? Jesus had been out there for 40 days and 40 nights. No way he would be hungry in that situation. Of course he's hungry. So the temptation that was presented to Jesus is, hey, Jesus, use your miraculous power to take these stones, as the Bible says, and make them into bread. I don't know how it's done. I'm not God. I don't believe I have that miraculous power. But Jesus could. Jesus had power to do that. So, let me ask a question. Jesus' response to the devil at that time was, look, buddy, I'm God. You don't come and talk to me that way. It's not what he did, was it? Well, how did he respond? He said, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father. What did Jesus show by doing that? What was he showing? 
He wasn't showing his intelligence, was he? He wasn't showing his power. He wasn't making these bread, these stones into bread. He was showing where he was at with God. And he was showing that God was his father and he was God. And he wasn't about to usurp that authority. He humbled himself. And he knew his relationship with God. He knew where he stood with God to the point that he responded, Hey, look, I don't get my energy from this food. Honestly, if Jesus wanted food bad enough, he probably could have went over to a berry tree. He could have done something long before in these 40 days that he went without food. He could have done something. That wasn't the question. The question is, where did Jesus get his strength and power? Today, where do you get your strength and power from? Where do we get it? We get it from God. It's not from all of these things around us. And when we live after the Spirit, that Spirit of God comes into us and provides everything that we need in life, all the energy that we need. And just as Jesus says later in the Sermon on the Mount, look at the sparrow. Look at, look at all of these creations. God provides for everything. And when you have the right relationship with God, you lack nothing. We need nothing. There's the first temptation. Second temptation is just like it. He said, Jump! So here's the curious thing. Nowhere in this scripture does it say that the devil was physically there. I mean, like a being, you know, with his pitchfork and his tail that comes out and the horns on the head. You don't read about You just read about a voice, right? A lot of times that's going to be the way it is for us. Hopefully we don't see an image like that, okay? Well, I don't think Jesus was looking at some evil. De- it would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? It would make it a lot easier. In fact, if anything, it would be something perhaps more beautiful. And maybe that's the case. But he said, the Bible says he led him to up above the temple, and he said, I want you to jump, because if you jump, angels are going to come and minister to you and lift you up. What did Jesus say there? He said, you don't, you don't test God. There's an interesting thing, isn't it? You don't test God. God tests us, but we're not to test him. How do you test God? When you test somebody, and I'm kind of in some ways leaping ahead, but when you test somebody, you test them because you have a superior knowledge to them, and you, in essence, it's assumed, have their good in mind because you're trying to find out where they're at. So when you test God, what you're doing is you're assuming that you know what's good for God. I'm going to do this, God, because I know this is going to be good for you and me and everybody on here, and it's just going to work out. See, you don't test God. He never wants us to test him, but we do it. All right? So that was the response to that. It's the same answer to the first question, by the way. Jesus understood his relationship to God, and he was a servant to that. And then what's the final one? And again, it's, this is almost the finale, if you will. Devil had it. He, he's given all these little temptations. Now he's saying, all right, you see all this power on the earth, everything that you see. If you bow down right here, right now, and sing some songs to me, if you go and we put the praise band up on the stage, and you sing some songs to me, I'm going to give it all. Is that what he said there? It's not. What he says If you bow down right now and acknowledge me as the authority and your God in your life, everything you have on this earth is yours. That temptation 
is not a temptation unique to Jesus Christ. That's the temptation the devil uses on all of us all the time. He wants us to bow down to him, to put him as the authority in our lives so that we don't worship God any longer. There's the story. Same answer three times. So it's interesting, isn't it? When you look at tests and you look at temptations, there's a difference between those two things. And I have almost PTSD when it comes to testing. I've had horrible tests in my lives. In fact, I used to have nightmares years after I went to college about testing that I forgot that I had to go take. You know, oh, you were supposed to, and you didn't, and you got a zero, and it's, you know, I'm sure a lot of you have been through that situation, right? Uh, Many stories there. But in general, okay, there's two different words that's used in the New Testament when it relates to tests and temptations, but they're very closely related. And if we were to go over to James, the first chapter, jot this down in your notes if you want to, James 1 and verse 12, it differentiates between those two things. It says that God will never tempt you with evil because God is not evil. He's going to test you Really, this is Todd talking now, he's going to test you because he knows what's good for you and he wants what's best for you. But it says temptations come from your desires, the things that you want in this life. And when you look at Jesus' example that we just read, Jesus was hungry, he'd been out, he had isolated himself, he was led by the Spirit to do that. There was a test going on, underlying, meaning that God, I think, was calling him out to draw closer to him in that relationship, and the devil seized on that, and the devil said, I bet I can get him right now because I know he'll be weak. He's hungry. He's isolated. He doesn't have any of his support crew around him. Isn't that the way it works for us today? Boy, some of the hardest tests is when we feel like we're alone. The hardest temptations are when we've isolated. We're like the water buffalo in Africa, right? The weak one that's limping along. And the the herd leaves him in the dust. And he's sitting there. He's all alone. He's weak. And he's tired. And then that roaring lion. He's been looking all day. He said, there he is. See, the devil thought that was Jesus. And it's hilarious because Jesus knew where his source of power came from. Today, you may feel like you are isolated or alone, but your source of power is not anything but God. And yes, we can draw on power from one another, and we should seek to draw on one another as a family of believers, but the ultimate source of the power that we receive, the energy, is from God himself, right? So the difference between the two is, this will be something you can remember, test is good. Kids, believe me, testing is good. Temptations are bad. They're bad, okay? Good and bad. Oversimplification. All right. So here's seven quick things to give you to learn from what we just read. When we talk about testing, what testing does is it shows where we're at with God, where we stand. You don't know where you stand until you're actually put in the fire and you're tested. So first thing, do you anticipate being tested? Anybody? You ever sit here and think, you know, I bet tomorrow I am tested. You ever been in school and the teacher says, all right, take out your pad and paper and we're going to give you a pop quiz. 
You didn't anticipate that pop quiz, right? So what's the first thing? The sweat starts pouring from your brow, and you're thinking, I hate this teacher. And then you're thinking, how could they do this to me? This is horrible. It's a pop quiz. I didn't prepare for this. I didn't anticipate it. Well, God tells us in his word in James 1, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. As we sit here today, anticipate if you are a disciple of Christ that you will be tested. It's going to happen. God is trying to grow you. He's trying to make you better tomorrow than you are today. He's trying to increase your faith. And he's going to test you because he loves you. But because you're being tested, that is a ground that the devil can come in and say, okay, I'm going to use that. That's an opportunity for the devil. I think that's why Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer that lead us not into temptation. He's saying, I know you're leading us and you're testing us, but help us in times of temptation when they come. Here's another thought. When you successfully pass a test, that helps you prepare for the temptations that are around the corner and the things that you're failing now. All of these things work together. Okay? Anticipate, prepare. How did Jesus answer the devil in this case? Was it very complicated? Did he go into some algorithmic rhythm? Did he give cosmology or rocket science? He was very simple. How he responded? He said, I'm God's. I worship God. That's how he responded. He had basically two to three scriptures, and they were very basic. None of them required a lot of embellishment. Today, we could probably give the same answers that he gave and deal with 95, if not all, temptations that we encounter. Because when we are gods and we worship God, when we belong to him, and it's him we serve above all other things, temptations lose their power. And it's up to us to prepare, to look ahead, to anticipate. So we're ready to go when those hit us. And they will around every corner. I want to ask a question of you. Are you being tested right now? You might say, yes, Todd, you're going way too long. This is testing the very edge of my endurance and patience. I'm having a difficult time staying awake, and it's testing my resolve. It could be. Okay. Are you in the middle of a test? Maybe God is saying to you, you've got two job choices. I want you to decide between these. That may be a test. In what way? Well, here's job A. Job A is one that you go and you put a solid week in, 40, 40 hours a week. It doesn't pay a lot, but it meets your needs. And it means that you can spend time with your family, and you can dedicate time and study of his word, which is the most important, and you can support things. You can be involved in your community. And here's option B. Or perhaps there's another job that pays a lot better. And it's luring you away where you're going to spend more time doing that than focused on the things that really matter in life. Now, is either option a sin? I wouldn't say that. But it's a test to see where you're at. What the devil will do then is to say, oh, he's deciding. 
So then he's, that's when he starts bringing out the fruit. He says, you know, if you took this job that takes more of your time, you're going to be able to afford that BMW that you've always wanted. You're going to have more toys to enjoy in life. And he starts luring us from that. See how it works? God's testing you to see if you're dedicated to him like you say you are. And the devil uses these little things that we want as a human being, as a, as a fleshly person, to lure us to do other things. And if we don't acknowledge that that's happening and recognize it, boy, it's going to be easy. You know, I can't tell you how many times I thought I was ready for a test, or I didn't care about the test, and I didn't care to prepare, and I showed up, and I said, oh, just, it'll all work out. That actually worked okay for me in high school, because I could do pretty well in high school. Well, you get in college, man, that does not work. It, I know there's a number of you in college that can testify right now, that does not work. And the temptation is, as you get closer to that time, you got to go take the test. Uh, it'll be okay. I want to go out with my friends for a little bit longer. I want more for you. Yeah. And you show up, and then the sweat. That's when the sweat. Always think of sweat. Sweat starts just dripping down, and you're shaking, and you're nervous, and oh, things. Are... Isn't that what we do with God, too? Think about it for a second. When we're tested, God, why would you allow me to be in this situation? How, how could you do that? How could a loving God allow me to be captive to all this debt that I ran up and I'm upside down in my house? And you see how that works? It's because we didn't prepare ourselves and we aren't in our relationship right with God to the state that he blesses us through these things because you anticipate it and you prepare for it and you've got your mind right. See how that works? It's practical. We actually have to respond and perform. We spend a lot of time on Sundays talking and learning. You ever think about life, if that was the way in any other profession, if all you got to do in your profession is go one time a week and just read a bunch, study a bunch, then you didn't have to do anything. I would hate it, honestly, because there's only so much book things you can do. What God is wanting you to do is learn about what he wants you to do and then actually perform to it. And what better way to do that than when you're dealing with a temptation or a test? He wants you to trust him. He wants you to learn from it. And he wants you to grow from it. Today, we laugh about it and we think, oh, this is... This is great, but this is real life. Sometimes we sit down in, in these buildings and, and we, we talk theoretically about things and we talk about philosophy and we talk about concepts. What we're talking about here is real life. This isn't about a concept, uh, this would be nice. This is something all of us have to deal with every day of our lives. Now the true question is, are we prepared for the tests that are in front of us. I have failed so many tests. I've failed so many temptations because I've tried to undertake it by my own power and by who I am and by my own will and I failed and I failed till I realized and I still fail today. There's still times that I make mistakes. But God gives us the victory 
when we truly acknowledge who he is, and when he says, you're my child, and we acknowledge that, and when we say, I worship you, God, I lift you above everything in this world, and that's the basis of how we respond to temptation, that's how we're successful. Make sense? All right. So I'll leave you with this. If you're being tested today and you're, you feel like you're failing in your test, it could be a test where it could be someone that you're considering to become your, your husband or your wife. There's an option that's been out there. It may be a test that God did not present to you. You may have put yourself in a test. Think about that one for a minute. You may be tempted to do something that you know is wrong, and by your own power, there's no deliverance. You can't deal with that. You may have met this temptation 60, 70 times, 100 times, and you failed each time, and here you are again. It's facing you right there. What are you going to do? Are you going to be surprised? Are you going to sweat? (laughs) Because you weren't prepared for it? I have a recommendation to all of us in closing. Today, acknowledge there is only one God and Him will we serve and surrender to. Number two, Acknowledge that we will love God above everything else in this life with all of our being, all of it. And three, start loving other people like we love ourselves. Sometimes the answer is that simple. It's to go back to where you are, where your foundation is, where you stand, get your will out of it, and put God in there. And you might be surprised at the success. The other thing I would offer to you this morning as you're suffering through these is to reach out around you. God put us here to support one another. If you're being tested or you're being tempted, I will guarantee you there's somebody else here that has seen it. I guarantee you there's somebody else here that has suffered through whatever the pain it is that you're going through. And all it means is you need to reach out because we're here.